Okay, so let's look at the smartest person, wisest person who ever lived. And uh, take you to Scripture. This is, uh, most of this is in 1 Kings today. In 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, this tells us who he was. His name is Solomon, uh, King David's son. You've heard of King David, right? If you haven't heard of Solomon, probably most of you have heard of Solomon. You've heard of King David. This is King David's son. After David dies, Solomon takes the throne. And in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29 to 31, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom. So let's look. I, I want you to see why we call him the wisest man. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. And that goes on. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to read, I really encourage you. This is one of the sermons that I really encourage you to go home, go to the Sunday's page, and just read the rest of the scriptures that I've given you there that we don't have time to read right here. Because it goes on talking about how much wiser Solomon was than anyone else. He was so wise that it, it caused people to want to just go hear him talk. I mean, you, you ever, you know, when our daughter, when we were, uh, when she was in high school, we were in Chicago, and uh, sometimes people would walk up to her in Chicago, and uh, they called her Alabama, a lot of them did, because they couldn't remember her name, and uh, they would run up to her and they'd say, Alabama, talk for us. <laughs> they just want to hear, you know? Uh, they would do that to Solomon, but it was a different reason, you know, the people in Chicago just wanted to hear her accent, but they wanted to hear the, just the wisdom that just seemed to drip off of the lips and tongues. It is said that Solomon spoke 7,000 proverbs. You know what a proverb is? It's like an adage, a a piece or a nugget of wisdom. That he spoke 7,000 proverbs in his life and and those were written down because God had given to them and, and many of them are in the book that we call in the Bible, the book called Proverbs. And they're there because of this wisdom that is there. This is why we call Solomon the wisest man who ever lived. And, and even if you Google it, you, you will find it. You know, and don't Google who it says in the Bible, but just Google the wisest man ever lived. You'll see people that, that aren't even really in church will still say that, why, that Solomon is arguably sometimes one of the, maybe not, they might not say he was, but they say arguably he was. Everybody kind of looks and says, okay, he was. So as best as we can determine, if there ever was, this was the wisest man. Now, where did he get this wisdom? Because that may be important than knowing he was wise. This is where he got the wisdom. So in 1 Kings chapter 3, this is actually backing up a chapter. And uh, right after Solomon became king, in, in the night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Stop right there. Okay, don't read, it, don't read any further just yet. What would you say right here? If God said, ask, what do you want? Ask me anything, and I will give it to you. What would you say? Come on, is there anybody in here that would really say wisdom? Is there anybody, come on now, let's be, let's be real, let's be honest. Is there anybody who would say, I want some wisdom, God. I want some intelligence. Tell me how, to, is there any of, no, we've got our list, don't we? And boy, stuff like understanding and direction and guidance and wisdom is way down our list of things we want from God. But what did, what did Solomon say? Solomon said, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. It goes on. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. But look, God goes on. 
I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever uh, has had or ever will have. He said, I'm not just going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you more wisdom than anybody has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. And, and when I read this again this week, I, I, I think it was uh, late Friday, I was reading this again. I was thinking, man, there's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 all over again. And, and, and you'll hear that. If you're here in 2015 several times, you'll hear me talk about Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus says, he says, you know, don't seek after all that stuff that you want. You know, all those things that you would have answered a moment ago? If God had said, what do you want from me? You know, the stuff you would have, Jesus said, don't seek after those things, but seek my kingdom. Because when you seek my kingdom, all these other things are going to be added to you. This is what is happening to Solomon is God said, because you asked for the best, you asked to be able to, to, to rule my people and govern my people and understand right and wrong. You asked so good. God said, I'm also going to give you what you haven't asked for because your mind has been focused on things of the kingdom. I'm going to give you the things that you haven't even asked for, but that you need riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. He was not just the wisest man who ever lived. He was the richest king who ever lived during his time that was alive during his time. He was the richest of all of those because he asked wisely. Now there's one little problem with Solomon's ask is he asked for wisdom, but he kind of, to me, I, 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 I think one little problem here is he, is he kind of pigeonholed it just a little bit. Give me wisdom to govern. Give me wisdom to know right and wrong. He didn't just ask for all, give me wisdom to live my life. That's what we need. In every part of my life, to, to govern, to know right and wrong, to do the right things all the time. Because even though he was the wisest man, there were, there were times, there were moments, there were things in which that, that sometimes he wasn't the wisest man. Sometimes he was foolish in other areas of his life, which we want to talk about here. But let me show you one other place where he got, where he got wisdom. And this is in the book of Proverbs. I told you he was the son of King David. He said, this is chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Okay, so, so Solomon is, is speaking words that God has given to him, to his sons. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son to my father still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, and scripture goes on and we got all these proverbs that, 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 uh, that Solomon taught and some of them came from his dad. Okay, get this. It was God ordained that you have a father and a mother. He talks about his mother there that I was cherished by her. It was God ordained that you have a mother and a father. And, and, and there is wisdom in your mother and your father. Now, I, I kind of look at it like this. It's like there's this big old pot of wisdom over here that God has prepared for you for all of your life. And it's like every time you can go to that and you can pull some wisdom out. Now, there's wisdom that, that God has provided for you in this pot that is going to come through your dad. There's wisdom that God has provided in this pot of wisdom that, that is going to come through your mom. But God also connects you with so many other people. Uh, that's why, like last week, I said the church matters. You know why the church matters? Because the church is this way also. The church has a lot of wisdom for you. Now, every one of us at some point in our life, uh, you, you 12, 13-year-olds, you might not have gotten there yet, but you're really close, okay? But every one of us, we come to this point in our lives where mom and dad don't know a single thing in the whole universe. 
Their wisdom doesn't matter anymore. They just are so out of touch, they don't understand anything going on. Every one of us has gone through that, right? I mean, some of you that my age ought to be raising your hands and say, yes, we all go through that. So grandkids, come on, pay attention. Pastor's talking some truth right here. Is that We all go through that. And so there's a point where we think our parents are stupid and they don't have anything to tell us. And so you know what we do? We stop digging out of the pot of wisdom from our moms and dads. And that wisdom that we would learn over those months, years, decades, maybe for some of you since you've listened to your parents, that wisdom will stay in the pot. You will never get it out. It will be in the pot forever because you, you skip those moments, those times. My, my kids, I, I know they had to get tired of it. Every time somebody messed up around us, you know, that was always a teaching teaching moment for me. I, I mean, I jumped on every one of those, you know, that this is a moment that I could give them. And you know, whenever, whenever, and I hope they never did, they never let on that they did, but whenever they may have tuned me out, then in their pot, there was that piece of wisdom that I wanted to give them that they are now going to have to go through life totally without because they didn't get the wisdom. And, and this isn't just about your dad and your mom, but it's about the church. The church that is around you, the people that God has surrounded you with, just as God ordained for you to have a mom and a dad who would give to you wisdom, he also ordained that you would be a part of a church that would give to you wisdom. I want to do a commercial here. Is that all right? Y'all don't mind a commercial, do you? I'm not going to have a song and dance or, or, or any kind of cute little slogans. But just before I do that, let me, let me make sure uh, we're kind of all on the same page here. All of you parents, if you're a parent, uh, I don't have to ask grandparents because I know you're going you're gonna to understand this. But if you're a parent and you know what I'm talking about when I say the title, Little House on the Prairie, if you're a parent and you know what Little House on the Prairie is, raise your hand, okay? And they, I just, okay, most of, okay, good, good, all right. We're all on the same page here, okay? So here's the thing, parent. Here's the thing I want you to see. Your kids have a pot of wisdom. And this pot of wisdom that, that God has prepared, that they're going to they're receive a lot from you and they're going to receive a lot from the people around them. And inside this pot of wisdom is, is some wisdom that they are to receive from the people around them at church as well. You know, here's the commercial part, okay? Is, is Royal Rangers, you know, you know about Royal Rangers? If you've got a, if you've got a little boy uh, in, in, in elementary school, definitely, and maybe even in junior high school, if you've, if you've got a little boy... You need to understand what Royal Rangers is. Royal Rangers is, it's like the steroid shot. It's like every day you're giving wisdom, you're giving wisdom, but sometimes you need that wisdom, you know, you need that wisdom to just be helped up a little bit more. You need somebody else reinforcing the wisdom. That's what Royal Rangers is. When, when they come on Wednesday night, and, and Royal Rangers just started this past, so they can jump right in, they just started back up this past week, this past Wednesday, right here. But when they come, it's like they get that steroid shot to just boost them on up and they get a whole lot more. You see, in this scripture right here, here are the two things that I see. Is I, is I see the wisdom that comes from dads and the wisdom that comes from moms kind of being explained right here in different ways. Is there is a, it's kind of like, like dads have an instruction or a teaching type wisdom. And moms have more of a cherishing or a nurturing type wisdom. Now, it doesn't mean that dads aren't nurturing, but they're more like teacher-nourisher and moms are more like nourisher-teacher, you know? You get both from them, but it's like you get a little bit more from one than the other. And so when, when your kids maybe aren't getting enough from one of those, Man, that is one of the reasons Royal Rangers was begun. It's because there are too many kids today that just don't have enough time with their dad. And you know what they need? They need a steroid shot on Wednesday nights to come and just get a boom. Just a little, a little infusion of some of the teaching instruction wisdom that comes through being with other men. 
and, and, and the, the, these men that are, that are pouring into these, in these boys on Wednesday night, they're, they're the teacher nourishers because there's more of that going on. But it's not just for the guys, is it? No. Girls, girls stuff. It doesn't start this week. It starts Wednesday week. So, so moms, dads, you need, to, you need to put that on your calendar because you're a little daughter. Can, can I tell you, I've said this so many times. And I've got, to, I've got to find a way to get the clip because I, 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 just, I just heard this said by, by someone who actually did this. When he's but I'm going to tell you something, dads. You, you need to hear this about your little girls. It's the little girls who, who suffer from the lack of, of, of time and cherishing from their dad. Because I know it says the mom is the cherisher. But the little girls who suffer from the lack of cherishing from their dad are the ones most likely to become sexually active at an early age and chase around after the wrong thing sexually for the rest of their lives. And you know, one of the best things you can do is you can get them in a place where they're getting more and more of that nourishing and cherishing. And that, that's why you need this. And, and, and do we go on with teens? Absolutely. Teens and tweens that meet on Wednesday nights meet here. They've, they've already started back up this year. They meet here on Wednesday night. And, and, and do we go on with the adults? Absolutely. Small groups are gonna start in two or three weeks. Okay, I told you I was going to do a commercial, and, and instead of kind of working this in where you thought I, I was just kind of talking about it, I wanted to be blatant, bold, and in your face today and let you understand something. Is that there is wisdom that is in this pot for your kids or for you. If you have kids, there's wisdom in their pot. And every time that, that, that we don't put them in a place to dig out the wisdom, they are losing that, and they will never, ever get it. It, it has always been my goal as, as dad as, as a dad, as a dad of a, of, a, of a young man and a young lady now, it was, it was always my goal in raising them that when, when, when they grew up, as everything that could be learned out of that pot of wisdom would be gone, that this pot would one day be empty, that they would not miss one bit of wisdom that God had prepared for them. And, and, and you parents, moms and dads, it, it, is, it is imperative that you see you are the ones responsible for bringing them to the pot. I mean, we'll spend hundreds of dollars to, to put them in something, and I'm fighting the urge to say some of the things that we will spend hundreds of dollars on. But we'll spend hundreds of dollars putting them in something for them to learn things that won't matter five years from now. And we won't take the time to bring them to the pot of wisdom all around them in a church that is going to matter 5,000 years from now. So see, the you know, it, it kind of maybe is a little more palatable, you know, if it's a commercial. It's a commercial. As you need to understand, there is something valuable for you and your family in the church. And, and, and you know, it's, it's like, you know, I, I know we sometimes, and, and in this day and age and culture, we want to split hairs a lot. Well, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. No, but it sure is a whole lot easier to get there when you're hanging around with people who are lifting you up and encouraging and are being the steroid shot to you. And I'm not just talking about the kids that need to, I'm talking about you adults as well. Can I tell you, I'm, I'm gonna show you in just a few moments how Solomon messed up. The wisest man in the world messed up. But I want you, I want you to hear me, those of you who are my age and older, you hear this. Is it wasn't the young Solomon that messed up. It was the old Solomon that started to lose his way. 
So don't, don't, don't think this is just a message for the singles or for the, the parents with the little children. This is a message for every one of us that if we don't stay focused and if we don't keep going back to this pot of wisdom that God ha- has created for us with, with, uh, with our, our parents who are around us, maybe an older uh, uncle or aunt, uh, people in the church, but there are people in the church, people on our prayer team that have been praying for you today. I mean, some of you come today and you haven't even prayed over this service. You haven't prayed over your needs today, but there are people in our prayer team that have been praying over your needs today already before you've done it. And God, God has maybe given them some of the words of wisdom that you need to be re- there. There are people all around you, the small groups and, and, and roll rangers and girl stuff and teens and tweens and all these things around you. We have to take advantage of these things. We have to wrap them up. Because these, these are the nuggets of wisdom that get us somewhere. And I'm going to have to hurry if I'm, if I'm going to share the rest of the message. Let me say this. That's, kind of, that's where we get wisdom. And God ordains all of that pot. And if you're missing any of those, you're missing it. And you miss just one little sermon, it's not going to send you to hell. But you're losing that piece of wisdom that you will never, ever get back again. And it's not just about reading it or hearing it. It's about experiencing it. That's the thing you get from mom and dad. It's not just how to bake the cake, but why you do this thing or that thing. It's like watching your dad uh, jump off the, the, the car. The battery is dead, and he, he takes the jumper cables, and, and you see, oh, wow, so you can actually get electricity from this car to this car to start the car. Well, that's pretty cool, Dad. It's not just hearing somebody say you can do that, but watching Dad as he's paying attention that red goes to red, red to red, black to black, black. That's important. Come on, amen. That's important. There's some wisdom that is there that you don't just get by just hearing that you can transfer, but that being in the experience and you got to take that. you got to get that. you got to get it. Okay, I, 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 probably need to, I probably need to just go and preach here about 15 more minutes and then preach the rest of this message next week, but I can't do that. There's so much that is there, I need to tell you. Don't miss any of the wisdom. And don't waste the wisdom. Don't squander the wisdom. Let me, t- let me talk to you a little bit about wasting the wisdom. Okay? Do the people around you, in this next slide right here, do, do the people around you, those around you, do they give wisdom or they deplete it? Have you ever been in a room with somebody that you thought, if I have 15 minutes more conversation with them, my IQ level will drop 50 points before I get out of this room? Yeah, okay, I, I, assume from the, I, I assume the laugh was an amen. You've been there, right? The more they talk, the dumber I feel. Yeah, the more they explain, the less I know. You know, spiritually speaking, about your wisdom, let me tell you this. Some of you, you know, we, we can't always just get wisdom, get wisdom. We have to also give wisdom. We have to be a channel for it to come through or it stops. God says, look, I, I don't give you your wisdom. I'm going to preach about this in just a second. I don't give your wisdom just for you. It's for somebody else. And if we don't keep doing that, then, then we will be, quit losing the wisdom and all the blessings of God. But here's what we've also got to do. Don't waste your wisdom. When you continue to give into people, and I'm not, I didn't say people who soak up your wisdom. That's a good thing. I'm talking about people who deplete your wisdom who take it and do nothing with it. And when you keep giving and you give instruction and they do nothing with it, they're still living the same life they lived six months ago and and you've been pouring everything you can into them. They're still working the same dead-end job and don't really care to have a better job. And you're trying everything you can to lift them up and help them be stronger. They're still treating their kids, treating their uh, spouse, treating their friends like they were. And you, listen, there comes a time when when you have to realize this person is depleting my wisdom or, or anything else in your life. And I can't continue this, and it's time for you to st- start ministering to somebody else. Because 
Giving your wisdom away to somebody who wastes it is not ministry. And we, we all have to do that at times. We all have to take a, take a chance to give somebody ministry that they're going to squander and waste, but then we have to come to the realization at times that, wait a minute, this one isn't, this one isn't taking it up, and, and so i got to quit this. They just deplete my wisdom. I'll be there for them. They've got my phone number if they need me, but i got to quit knocking on their door, and i got to find somebody I can really minister to. Don't waste the wisdom that God has given you. So let me show you how... How Solomon misused the wisdom. No, um, no, no thing from God, nothing from God, no thing that God gives you, like Solomon's wisdom, was given to you so you could amass your kingdom. Now Solomon missed this. He, he misunderstood. He thought God gave me wisdom and I'm going to have a great kingdom. That's not what he asked for. Solomon said, give me wisdom, God, so that I can rule your kingdom, your people so much better. I can understand what is right and wrong. But what did he start doing? Look at, look at these foolish extravagant. He had 12,000 horses. Okay, you got to have an army. Okay, I get that. 12,000 horses. That was huge. He had 1,400 chariots, and he had 4,000 stalls for horses of the chariots. So he had 1,400 chariots, and he had 4,000 horses to pull those chariots. Now, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but he had a palace over 11. We don't know exa- exactly how big it was. We know that the ground floor was 11,000 square feet. We don't know how many floors he had. Probably the throne room was one floor all the way up, 45 feet, but there could have easily been three floors and all the rest of So we don't know. We know it was at least 11,000 square feet. That's a pretty, pretty decent uh, house for me and you today. Back in those days, that was huge. An 11,000 square foot house, he had a fleet of trading ships. They brought him 25 tons of gold every year. Silver, it said, silver had become, it wasn't even, it wasn't even counted because it had become so common as just stones. And uh, uh, that's the only thing. And then he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 700 wives and 300 concubines. You know, this man should have had more of it together than anybody because he had all these women to tell him how to live his life. Doesn't work that way, though, does it? Let me show you two mistakes. Let me show you two mistakes. This is just in the context of these wives, all right? Let me show you two mistakes here, but you need to apply them to every other part of your life. Two mistakes that he makes with these wives. The first one is, is he had too many wives. Proverbs says, when you find a good wife, you found a treasure. A good wife. You find more than one wife, it's a curse. That's because the Bible says it's a curse. And have you ever seen anybody trying to juggle two wives or two concubines, as King James calls it? We don't call them that anymore, but that's basically what they are when we just aren't married, but we're still heavily engaged, and I'm being very PG right here. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about, right? And when you're trying to juggle two, tell tell me, it's a curse. And so he had a curse on him, and, and his marriages were not lawful. They were lustful. Now, now, lust just do, doesn't just mean sex, okay? It doesn't just mean sexual desire. It means just desiring. That's what lust means. It means to desire something. We mostly use the term lust in a sexual connotation, though, to desire sexual things. But it could mean anything. Well, look, that's what it meant for him because most, most men who lived during this time only had one wife. I know you read the Bible and you see, well, look at this and look at this. And you think, no, most men only had one wife. But when you had enough money to have more than one wife, it was a status symbol. Man, look at him. He's got enough money to have two wives and 30 kids. Oh, man, he's got must have a really good job. It was a status symbol. 
And so this is what Solomon got into is his status. He just had to have more and more and more till he had a thousand women in his life. 700 he was married to and 300 who were basically secondary wives just hadn't gone down the aisle or said I do to them. I don't know what kind of I do you're saying, you know, because how do you say I do to 700? But he had a thousand women in his life and he did it for a status symbol. Hear this, especially those of you who are not married yet. And I know you're kind of scattered, but I, I sometimes point over here because most of them are kind of sit over here. Hear this. We'll give you some wisdom right here from your pastor, okay? You might have missed everything in the pot right now, but you get this. If you're single, you hear this. I'm going to give you some wisdom right now. Don't seek to be married, but as the Bible says, seek a great spouse. Don't see, and, and I see so many of you doing it, running around. It's like, oh, I got to get married, got to get married. I've got friends that I grew up with, and, and when, they, when they got past one of those ages, somewhere in the 20s, you know, it, just, it was just so, oh, I, 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 I got to get married. If I don't get married, I'll never get married, and I got to get married. And, you know, and what you do when you begin to get that way is you're focusing on the marriage instead of having a great spouse. And what you're, you're going to do the same thing Solomon did, is instead of bringing treasure into your life, you're going to bring a curse into your life. Because when you get focused on just getting married, those are the people, they start relationships with anything in a pair of pants or a skirt, whichever it is for you, walking down the road. Whatever comes down the road next that isn't attached to somebody else, that's what they begin to grab onto. But the Bible says don't go after a marriage, go after a great spouse. Because when you find a great spouse, you found a treasure. Go after a great one. That's what I'm praying for you. Uh, young ladies, I pray this all the time. Uh, this is something that, that Dave has shared many, many times, and I pray this over our young ladies in our church. God help them find their Boaz and help them recognize the bozos and kick them to the curb as fast as they can, God. And for our men, you know what I pray over you guys? You lose the ability to become a bozo and you find that Boaz that God created you to be. So that you can also find, so you're not just having to get whatever comes down the road, but you can get the very choice of the young ladies out there because you're a Boaz and not a bozo. I pray that over you. That's what I want for you. I don't want you to have a marriage, I want you to have a great spouse. I want you to have great kids, I want you to have a great future. And you don't, you don't get that when you get focused on, I gotta get married, I gotta get married, I gotta get. Don't focus on the marriage, focus on the great spouse. Uh, but, which leads really good into the second, second mistake that he made, is his wives were not godly women, but no Cree. That's what, that's what the Hebrew, the word that is there in the Hebrew is no Cree. Now I don't speak Hebrew, I have to look these things up, okay? All right, so I'm not a lot more intelligent than you guys other than I've just got the apps to help me look stuff up like that. I know how to find it, okay? You know what that word means in the Hebrew? It means foreign or strange. Now, you and I, when we use the word foreign, we almost always talk about something from outside of the country, right? We talk about foreign. We, that's how we use it most of the time these days. But you understand that the word foreign kind of means strange? Something that is foreign to you, an idea that is foreign to you means strange or different. So that's really what this word means. And, to, and so the word says in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 11 that Solomon had these 700 wives, 300 concubines, and that he followed after no Cree women. These women were no Cree, meaning that they were strange, they were foreign. Here's, here's what, he, what, what God is saying about this, is that they were from a different place and a different culture. They were raised different than Solomon was raised. They were raised to live differently than Solomon was raised to live. And they were, they were of a different cultural mindset than Solomon was. And so they did not fit with who he was. And so there is going to be curse when that happens. And what happened was Solomon began to follow the strange. They were different, and Solomon began to follow the strange. 
That's why I say find a great spouse. That's why the Bible says, and I've just repeated it, find a great spouse. Not just a spouse, because you'll find one that is ungodly. You'll find one that is no cree, that is foreign to your culture. Here's what we've got to do, is we've got to make sure that the ways that are easy for the world to walk in do not become easy for us to walk in. And the closer we get to those around us who deplete our wisdom, and the closer we get to those around us who are no cree, foreign to everything we speak about on Sunday morning, and we're supposed to live 24-7, the closer we get to those, the more easy it becomes to walk in their ways. And we must make sure it never becomes that easy. Because nothing from God is given to amass your kingdom but to bless everyone else. It's, it's, it's to better. It's for the good of everyone else in your life. I, I don't have time for these three stories that I'm going to tell you. Go ahead, the next slide shows that. I don't have time for these three stories. Uh, but in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 28, I knew I wouldn't have time to tell you this story. This is, and not just Christians, or not just people who go to Sunday school or go to church, but this is the story. Ever, anybody that knows the story says, this is the story that defines Solomon's wisdom. So much so that verse 28 says, when all Israel heard the verdict, the king had given, they marveled. They were, and they were so blessed and amazed. Thank God for giving us such a wise man. What is the story? What is the story? Go to the Sunday's page this afternoon. You can read it and see. It is the story of wisdom. It is like, oh, wow, cool. That, that would make a, you know, wouldn't make a good movie all by itself, but it would make a really good plot in the middle of the movie. This is amazing. You need to go read it. It's really cool. Second, let's go to the second slide. This is about the Queen of Sheba. I don't, I don't have time to tell you about the Queen of Sheba, but she heard how amazing and awesome Solomon was. She came to him with questions. She threw him, and he answered every one. And then she said, I can't believe. She said, all the stuff I heard, I couldn't believe about you. But they didn't even tell me half of how amazing your wisdom was. Now, this was another royal person. This was another queen who, who, who did everything she could to be wise. And, her, and she says, I couldn't believe what they told me, and yet they didn't even tell me half of what it was. But, but here, here's the last one. This one's even more important. This is in 2, Kings chap- I mean, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's Solomon. God leads Solomon to build his temple. And they build the temple, and Solomon prays this awesome prayer of dedication over the temple. Solomon is pleased, has pleased God up to this point in his life. This was before he married all these women, before he had started following after the strains that was in their life. God was pleased with Solomon. And, and, and God's made Solomon a promise. And uh, verse 14 is, 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 uh, is one that many of us in 2 in Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is one that many of us probably know. God said about, about this house, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal their land. What do you need? It's right there, isn't it? It's right there. What do you need? I mean, it's all right there in that verse. Everything we need is right there in that verse. If my people, who I've called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wickedness, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Not just the land of the United States of America, your land, your home, your, your family, your land, right? You know, where you live, your land, who you are. He says, I will heal. Everything you need is right wrapped up in all that. And then he goes on in verse 15. You know what he says? God says, this temple that you have now built, this house that you have built for me to meet you in, God says, my eye and my ear will be attentive to the prayers that are prayed in this house. That's what he says in verse 15. So you need to read, you need to go, go to Sunday's page. You need to read all of these. My eyes and ears, God says, will be, t- okay, 
I, I want to bring this to a modern day context for you. Okay, especially you guys listen to me right here. It's what, what God's talking about is the house that you build in your life. They built a house for God to meet with them. Where's the temple today? This is the temple today. That's what the New Testament says. Now that Jesus has died, every one of, our, of us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he comes to meet us here. That's why you don't just hear me speaking to you right now. You hear an inner voice saying, you know, that, that he said five minutes ago is something you need to listen to. That's the Holy Spirit speaking into your temple and saying, you got to listen right here. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to a crowd. I'm talking to you right now. I talk to a crowd, but the Holy Spirit speaks to every one of you because we are all the temple of God. And here's the modern day context for us then, because this is Old Testament. Now this is New Testament. How, how, does, it, how does it match for us? Today, you are building the house that God will meet you in tomorrow. You know, like, like today, this moment right now today, on Sunday, you are, you are working on the house, this temple. You're working on it so that tomorrow you and God can meet together. And when you've got a problem, you know what you want? You want this. You want God to speak this over your temple. That if you have a problem, then all you've got to do is call on his name, seek his face. Turn from your wicked ways, and he says, I will hear you from heaven. I will forgive your sin, and I will heal whatever's wrong in your land. He says, I'll do it. That's what you want, but you also want this verse 15. God says, because of the house that you've built for me and you to meet together in. God says, my eye and my ear will be attentive to the prayer that is prayed in this house. You want to know why your prayers are heard and not heard? It's right there. Because you have built a house to please me. My eyes and my ears will be attentive to the prayer that is prayed in this house that you have built me. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I'm not married yet. Don't have to worry about that. But every relationship you have is adding a few bricks into that house, that temple that you are building one day. Your marriage is going to, and, and some of you who are married, you can... You can Y'all can amen me here. I, I, you know this. Your marriage is going to be a lot of based on the relationships that you have. For example, you want to know how, how, how a future spouse is going to treat you when you have an argument or disagreement in marriage? Let me, give you, let me give you an idea of how to figure that out. Watch how they treat the last guy or girl they had. Watch how they speak about them. Watch the attitude. What's the bad attitude they have and the things maybe, they, you know, they're, they're posting on Twitter, Facebook, or whatever. Watch those things and realize that's the kind of person they're going to be when you get married to them also. So when you start seeing that, you need to start saying, whoop, wait a minute, red flags, lights, sirens, uh-uh, this, this is not the one for me. And you need to pay, pay attention. I mean, some of you guys need to watch what you're putting on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, you have a momentary thought and you put it out there and it's out there for forever. Oh, no, I deleted it. No, it's out there forever. It can be found. It's out there forever. And the problem is, if somebody read it, you can delete it a thousand times, but if somebody read it, it's in their mind and it's always there. You've got to be more careful than that. Let me give you this other example. I'm I'm just going to have to quit and go on. Let me give you this other example because I know you're saying, well, but see, right now I don't really want want the big job, so I'm just enjoying what I'm doing, you know. But you've got to understand this bouncing around job to job to job to job. Yeah, but see, I'm not looking for my career yet, but the problem is one of these days when you're looking for that career and you fill out that application, you're going to have to write down, I worked at this place for three weeks. I worked at this place for two months. 
I worked at this place. Oh, but I have an excuse. I have a reason. I have an answer for every one of those. The problem is, you write all that down on the application, you are never going to get the interview that's going to allow you to explain all the reasons that you were only at a job for three weeks or six months. What I'm saying here is you are building the house today that you're going to have to live in tomorrow. And the house that God is going to either say, I can't touch that, or my eye and my ear is attentive to the prayer that is prayed in this house. So we get to choose. We get to choose. Can I show you just some of the blessings? Here, here are the blessings. Just, this, these are the blessings that we've talked about this morning. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I promise. A truly rich life, a God-given destiny, supernatural help, inexpressible blessings because they couldn't even talk about all the blessings. And you, you've got blessings that you've even forgotten about, right? And, and God's awesome promises, all those things. You and I get to choose. Choose right now today. You get to choose. You want to walk in this? You want to build a house that is worth something tomorrow? You want to build a house? I mean, you... you Guys, you need to be building that house. If you're not married, you need to be building that house that one day you and your spouse can go together with God and say, God, we need your help with our finances. Come on, somebody's my age ought to say, amen, you're going to need that one day. Or God, we need your help figuring out how to raise these teenagers. Amen. I, I, got, a, I got a good laugh and I got a good hand wave back there. Y'all just didn't see it. You're going to need that one day. What you're doing today is building the house that God will either turn his back on or meet you in tomorrow. Choose. Choose good. Choose wisely. Choose to receive. Can I ask you to do something? Would you stand and uh, come to the front? Let's close. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close in prayer at the, at the front with a last final thought and prayer and a final song. Sometimes I have to say things two weeks in a row for everybody to get it because everybody, everybody's not here every week. I, I do want to say, if you can, give me just a little space right up here on the front. Not a lot, just a little bit. I do want to say, one of the reasons we do this is this is our time together. We have small groups, you know, you got pockets of people. We have events and you, get, you have bigger pockets of people, but still, it's pocket. this is our time to come together. This is it. And, and so, it's like, it's like we go, let's just take this last seven minutes you know, maybe four to seven minutes according to how long the song is and just wring every bit of it out that we can and get every bit of it. That's why we're here doing this all together. Let's get this. But, but here, last, last little thing, last little thing, okay? Um, I, I don't have time to read. I got, I got scripture here I want to read. I really encourage you, go to the Sunday's page, get this last scripture and read it because it summarizes what I've just told you. It summarizes it, okay? But we don't have time to read it. I want to go to my last, last little slide right here and tell you the, the true purpose of wisdom, okay? The true purpose of wisdom, the ultimate purpose of wisdom, is not information, but encounter. It is not so you will know more, but it's so you can encounter God. So you can build that house, and you and God can meet together tomorrow. And you and God can meet together. So you can have an encounter right now. So you can have an encounter tomorrow. So you can have school encounter. So you can have work encounter. So when you've got a problem at work, you can encounter God right then and right there. That's what wisdom's for. Wisdom's not just so you know the stuff. Wisdom's so you can encounter God at every moment you need. So you can, so you can have a family encounter with God. So you can have a, a problem encounter. When you've got problems, you need to be able to encounter God. That's what wisdom is for. And I, I've already told you, but I'm going to say it again. I can't do it. I don't, I don't have time. I know you wouldn't hang around for this long, but I would love to pray over every one of you single ladies right now 
and pray God shows you the difference in the Boaz and the Bozo in your life. I can't do that, but I've got, I got some prayer team members right here that can. And I w- I'd like to pray, if I had time, we, we want to pray over every one of you young men. That God help you find the Boaz that he, de- that he designed you to be. And for you to, all that Bozo stuff that people around you ha- act and you, you kind of take it in that you would just get rid of that stuff. I'd like to pray over every one of you, every, every couple that has children still at home, I'd like to pray over you. I, can, I probably can't do that, you probably, but I got some prayer team members going to help me. We want to pray over you right now. And uh, I'm going to start this prayer, and here's what I, here's what I want to ask you to do. And, and, and when we get this prayer going, Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying, okay? They're both important, but once you start singing, I know you won't be praying anymore. So finish the prayer first before you start the song. Okay, that should make sense to you. Here's what I ask you to do. How many of you want amazing in your life? I've asked you that over and over and over for like two and a half months now. Let us pray with you to have amazing. Young person, single person, let me pray with you or let one of these prayer team members pray with you to have amazing. For you young couples who are are raising small children and you ain't got a clue how in the world are we gonna, I don't know how you're gonna do it without God. You better have God. I can't imagine raising our kids without God. But I can look right now and I can say because of some decisions we made and because of him, not because of us, only the decisions we made to be his because of his power. We've got two kids who are involved in ministry in church every single Sunday. I don't guess where my kids are on Sunday morning. I know where they are because of him. I don't know how you're going to raise them without him, but I guarantee you if you raise them with him, I want to pray over every one of you couples. Prayer team is going to help me do that. Here's what I want to ask you to do. When I start this prayer, I want to ask if you, if you want us to pray with you that you find the, bo- the bozos and kick them out of your life, you find the boazes and bring them into your life, or that you become the boaz and get rid of the bozos, or that you're able to, to have a great life and a great marriage and raise great kids and, and help your kids raise great grandkids. If you're ready for that, that I would, if you just step forward just a little bit, these prayer team members are ready to pray with you, and we just want to take you by the hand, and we agree in prayer because the Word of God says we're to agree concerning anything. It shall be done. Oh, because some of you young ladies need to say, I'm tired of the bozos. I'm going to pray. I'm going I'm to come up here and pray with Kyle or Christian and just believe God's going to help me find the Boaz today. It, it's not, maybe not today, but God's going to help me find the Boazes. And some of you say, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do with these kids, but by the help and grace of God, I'm going to come up here and let Cliff join me in prayer right now, and I believe God's going to help me find the strength and the wisdom I need to raise these kids to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and to have an awesome life.